Psalms chapter 51, Psalms chapter 51, and I'm certainly thankful I don't have my hope in a dead God, that's for sure, and uh, I look forward to what the Lord has for us from Psalms chapter number 51. Let me encourage you to be back in the service tonight at 6 o'clock. Now, this today is a clean heart Sunday, and we are focusing on having a clean heart, and we spent some time in the Sunday school hour speaking of this and we'll, we'll use the time for the message this morning uh, to also bring our message from Psalms chapter number 51. I'm going to take the time this morning to read the entire uh, chapter of Psalms 51, and then we'll bring our message from this chapter, <coughs> and we'll uh, see how the Lord will help us this morning. Beginning with verse number 1 of Psalms chapter 51, <coughs> excuse me, have mercy upon me, O God, According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. Thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. <clears throat> Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltliness, O God, thou God of my salvation. <clears throat> my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. We're going to use Psalms 51, of course, a psalm of David this morning. And I want to bring a message I've entitled this, God's Path to a Clean Heart. God's Path to a Clean Heart. The reason for a focus like we have today, a Clean Heart Sunday, is because we all should have a clean heart. It is something that we should strive to do because it pleases God. And really, that's really all the motivation we need, isn't it? It's because it pleases God. It should be the motivation that we need. I'm thankful that through my salvation... Uh, God, the scripture tells us that we are cleansed white as snow. But as we also looked at in the Sunday school lesson this morning, at that moment of salvation, we did not get a perfect flesh. Uh, do you know who my biggest problem is? I mean, besides my mother-in-law, but you know who my, my biggest problem is? It's me. Do you know who your biggest problem is? It's not your mother-in-law. It's you. We are our biggest problem. May this morning help us uh, as we look at God's path to a clean heart. Father, 
We've been blessed by being in the service this morning. It is certainly a highlight of the week, certainly a blessing to fellowship with what truly is our friends and our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, we certainly enjoy that aspect of assembling each and every Sunday. Father, we've been blessed by the music and the singing of the hymns. And Father, we come now to the time of preaching. May our hearts be focused on you. May the Word of God be our teacher this morning. May the Spirit of God be our instructor. And may we be willing to be honest with ourselves and be honest with you. May life be changed today because of what is said. May a mom and dad this morning uh, rededicate themselves to uh, the cause of having a Christ-honoring home, a Christ-honoring marriage. Uh, May Christians, once again, as we go into this world, determine uh, that we're going to live to please you. I pray that we'll have... Help this morning from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you study the Psalms at all and you know the story of King David, you understand the significance of Psalm 51. David, who God called a man after his own heart, sinned greatly in the sight of God. After the sin he committed with Bathsheba and all that, all the fallout from that, David came to a point where he had to know that his relationship had been stored. And by the way, let me just interject. If God called David a man after God's own heart, in spite of the sin that David did, uh, may, we, may that be a lesson for us today. But be that as it may, David, this psalm, his prayer was after his great sin. He had a desire to get right with God. Now, this is something that, as a preacher and as a Christian, something that I see in our country today and see amongst even Christian people that troubles me is that we don't ever get brokenhearted about our own sin. Maybe that's why we don't get brokenhearted about the sin that we see in our nation that plagues our nation. And boy, I don't know in this politically heated day that we are, we certainly like pointing out the sins of politicians and I'm not, I'm not standing against that this morning. I'm just saying that to say we ought to take great consideration of our own heart, our own life. Having said that and reminding us of that, I want us to look at verse number 1. And as David begins this psalm, begins this prayer. Now bear in mind, David had sinned greatly. He had sinned with another man's wife, Bathsheba. He had Uriah killed. He comes to God having committed these great sins. And notice the first words he says. Have mercy upon me, O God. Now, let me just help us all this morning. What we have this morning is you have a sinner preaching to sinners. We have all sinned. We all come short of the glory of God. That's why we needed Jesus Christ. That's why God sent his Son. But let me say, no matter the things that we may be, <clears throat> have been involved in, and certainly we might have some shame in this morning, let me say that in spite of the fact that we, not in spite of, the fact is we have a holy God, a God who is the standard. I'm not the standard. You're not the standard. Religion's not the standard. A holy God is the standard. We all fall short. But might I remind us with the first words of David, mercy is 
available. Sometimes we get full of ourselves, don't we? Well, let me help us with that. Yeah, we all get full of ourselves from time to time. I deserve this, and I deserve this, and I'm not as bad as so-and-so, and, and I'm not doing what the world's involved in. I'm not doing all these things. Friend, in the sight of God, the, the, the smallest thing we label as sin is enough to send us to a devil's hell. That's just the reality of it. How many sins do you have to sin to be a sinner? Just one. This morning, we're all sinners. But aren't you thankful? As we read the words of David, have mercy upon me, O God, mercy is available. Friend, if you don't remember anything else I say this morning, and I certainly hope you do, remember that. Mercy is available. We serve a just God, we serve a holy God, but we serve a merciful God. We serve a God of mercy. We serve a God that extends mercy. And as we look at this progression this morning of God's path to a clean heart, I want us all to be reminded on that it's built on that foundation of we have a merciful God. None of us are worthy in the sight of God. And as we consider this David as the author and what David had done, and David petitions God for mercy, we know the fact that God did extend mercy. Mercy is available today. I'm going to give us a simple outline this morning, but as we get into this outline on, on God's path to a clean heart, I want to remind you that this is God's path to a clean heart. This is not the pastor's path to a clean heart. This is not your path to a clean heart. I think one thing that hurts us among Christian people is we, we put people as our standard. We put a certain group as our standard when God is our standard. It is His path to a clean heart. May we put our focus and our eyes on Him this morning. Let me say, first of all, in God's path to a clean heart, it starts with a desire for cleansing. In verse number 2, he, David goes to say, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David could get to a point where he had a clean heart because it was his desire for cleansing. Friend, this morning, you, I, may have, I may have known you pretty much my whole life, or I, I may have met you today, but let me tell you something. We all have a need for cleansing. And my desire for all of us is to have the desire to be cleansed, the desire to have our heart clean in the sight of God. We could probably summarize this whole day and this whole emphasis with that thought right there. You can have a clean heart if you want a clean heart. You can have a clean heart if that's your desire. You can have a clean What does it mean to have a clean heart? It's that relationship with God, knowing there's nothing between me and Him. It starts with a desire for cleansing. You know what would change our nation in an instant? Is if our nation had a desire for God to cleanse us, for our cleansing. But we live in a day-to-day, -day, we don't have time for God. We seemingly don't have a need for God. No wonder there's no cleansing. It starts with a desire for cleansing. Let me tell you who God's looking for this morning. God's looking for somebody who wants to be close to Him. God's looking for somebody who wants their heart to be in tune with His. God's looking for somebody who would acknowledge their failures in His presence. Friend, this is, this is just common sense. This applies to every area of life until we first recognize the need we cannot be helped 
we must understand that it starts with a desire for cleansing. Hopefully today, something that is done or said stirs a desire in us if there's some cleansing that needs to be done. May we be honest. Friend, I'm not a priest. I don't need you to come confess anything to me, but we have a God who knows our heart. My desire for all of us today is for us to be honest with Him. For Him, for our heart to be with Him, it starts with a desire for cleansing. This is God's path to a clean heart, number two. We continue with that thought, and we look again in verse 2, and then in verse 3, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Notice what he says. He, this is the way a lot of Christians would have prayed this. For I acknowledge my friend's transgression, and their sin is ever before me. Can we get to a day when our sin bothers us more than anybody else's sin? I made no mistake. There's some things that goes on in this country that bothers me. There's things in society that greatly disturbs me. But let me tell you whose sin I can do something about. I can't do anything about your sin. You can't do anything about my sin. But let me tell you whose sin I can do something about. I can do something about what's in my heart. And we get frustrated because we're focused on the sins of everybody else. When David said, my transgression. Well, we would do ourselves well as God's people, even when we assemble as God's people on, on, on the days that we come together on a Sunday morning, may we come with, with the, the mindset, I want God to do something in my heart. Say, like, Pastor, I need to talk to you. What do you want to talk to me about? Well, brother, so and so. I, they can talk, to, you need to talk. You need to talk to God about your sins. And that comes to number two, an acknowledgement of iniquity. That word iniquity just simply means sin. Something for you and I to remember. Sin is a bigger deal to God than it is to you and I. We categorize our sins, don't we? Our sin's an okay sin. Your sin is a really bad sin. You know, it's like we're taking a test and you both, you and somebody else gets the answer wrong because you didn't put the right answer. But my answer was a better answer than their answer, so their answer should be more wrong. That's not the way it works. It's either right or it's wrong. We must acknowledge our iniquity this morning. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help all of us if we want a clean heart before God. Before God. Before Him. He knows our heart. Then we must be willing to acknowledge our iniquity, our sin. And by the way, he, is that, he has set that standard this morning. Are you willing to acknowledge your shortcomings? Well, we must be willing to do so if we want to have a clean heart. He says in verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Uh, it was as if he had just done it, as if, if he had just committed it because it bothered him to the point and he had acknowledged that. Well, if we would get a hold of just what I've already said this morning, it would, do, it would make a difference in our life, a difference in our world. I said it in Sunday school, and I think it's appropriate to, to remind all of us now that 
don't compare ourselves to this wicked world. This is a vile world we have to live in. You don't have to be much better to be better than, this, than the vile things of this world. But don't make this world your standard. Make God your standard. You might not say, I, I have a command as a pastor to be your example, but I'm not your standard. God is the standard. And our acknowledgement of iniquity keeps us on that path to a clean heart. Number three, look with me in verse number seven. And this is key. This is, I want to spend a few moments here. David writes, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me say statement number three. There is an internal change, not external. Sometimes we as Christians, we focus more on the external than the internal. I just admit to you as a pastor, I'm not focused on your external. It's the internal, it's the heart. Because if God gets the heart, he gets you. This is a great, I'll use a, a, a parenting tip for those of you that are still rearing your children. It's something that I've, I've strived in my own uh, home. I know I'm not a perfect parent. I definitely don't have perfect kids. We, 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 we are, we, we just like, just like, by the way, your kids aren't perfect either. I've seen them running around here. Um, we, we, but this is what I've strived to do in the ups and downs of those children as they grow. I've always tried to keep their heart. If as their father, I can keep their heart, they've got a chance. The same is true on a spiritual level, is if God has our heart, he has us. That is his focus. It should be our focus. And as David writes, purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. He says, well, that's in the appearance. Well, no, 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 no. This is an internal change. When God washes, he washes from the inside out. When I got saved, I got saved from the inside out. When God cleanses, he cleanses from the inside out. That's why Jesus called those Pharisees, those whitest sepulchers. They were focused just on the outside, but there was no change on the inside. This is an internal change. Notice this is very key. He says, purge me with hyssop. What does that mean? We don't hear much about it now, but certainly it was an issue in these Old Testament times, the disease of leprosy. And once somebody contracted that disease of leprosy that just eats away the flesh till eventually it kills the individual. And it was so contagious that once you contracted leprosy and you, you thought you had the spot and you thought it might be leprosy, uh, this is a worse pandemic than, than the world has seen uh, that we've dealt with. Once you see that spot, you would go to the priest and he would look at it to see if it was leprosy. And if it was determined that it was leprosy, you would be cast out of the city. Otherwise, you could infect others. You could not stay with your family. You had to go outside of the city limits. And anytime somebody came within sight of you or close to you, it wasn't social distancing as we have. You would have to shout, unclean, unclean. Of course, we know that leprosy is a representation of sin. 
He says, purge me with hyssop. From time to time, God would choose to heal those that had contracted leprosy. And if they thought that their leprosy was healing and they thought that maybe they would survive and sometimes that miracle was done by God, they would go back to the priest. And when they were determined to be clean now, they would be purged with hyssop, that hyssop with herb and would be, would be ground and mixed and they would, they're, they're little, they're, they would have something to dip in it and they would sprinkle them with that hyssop. Now, keep this in mind. That hyssop did not cleanse them of that leprosy. That hyssop was a sign for everyone that they had been cleansed of the leprosy. And what David is saying is purge me with hyssop, meaning I want what people see on the outside to just be a formality for what's already going on on the inside. And quite frankly, we need a revival of this amongst God's people, amongst children of God, to be more concerned what's going on, on the inside than what they have going on on the outside. Now, I'm not minimizing what we say, what we do, where we go, what we participate in, but what I'm saying is God must have the heart. And if our heart is cleansed, we have that internal change. The external will take care of itself. It's a symbolic gesture for the leper who had been cleansed. May this morning, may we have a desire amongst God's people for the heart to be what would be pleasing to God. Now, our theme for the series, our, our verse of Scripture is, keep that heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If we lash out in anger... You know what that is? That, that's that person. They just keep ticking me off. No, no, it's, it's more than that. It's coming from the heart. Hatred comes from the heart. Bitterness comes from the heart. Vile actions comes from the heart. We must have that desire for God to make a change on the inside because it's an internal change. Notice with me number four. Look at me at verse number 12. This is important as well. David writes, well, let's look at verse 11. I guess go back to verse number 10. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Notice verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. <coughs> number four, we find a, restored, a, a restoration of joy. Why do you need a clean heart? Joy. This world does not need to see any more miserable Christians. There's enough miserable. Say, oh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just miserable. Do you want to get saved? I'm miserable. You should serve my Savior. Think about it. If it was based off of your life and your joy and your happiness and your relationship with God, would anybody want what you have? We, that progression of a clean heart brings a restoration of joy. Can I just say that he, he's speaking of the restoration of the joy of his salvation, the joy of when he got saved? 
Are, are, you, are you a child of God this morning? Are you on your way to heaven this morning? Have you been redeemed? Had your sins been, been washed away? We sing that hymn, What Can Wash Away My Sins? Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Friend, if you're saved this morning, you ought to be happy about it. You ought to be excited about it. You ought to have joy in your heart about it. Say, well, this, have you seen what's going on in the world? Have you seen gas prices? I have. But God is still on his throne. I'm still on my way to heaven. Well, Pastor, I got a, a bad doctor's report. Well, I, I'm very sympathetic to that. I will pray with you about that. But let me tell you something. Uh, this life is temporal down here. Eternity awaits the child of God. We're all sinners. Did I already remind us of that? But you know that if you're saved this morning, you'll never answer for your sin. And by the way, if God isn't going to make us answer for our sin, the Baptist police don't need to be trying to make people answer for their sin. I just thought I'd interject that in case there was any Pharisees here this morning. But there's a restoration of joy. Can I, just, can I just testify this morning? I like being saved. I like being a Christian. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Don't bring it up. I like being a child of God. I like knowing my sins have been forgiven. But when our heart's not clean, we forget what God has done for us. We don't have the relationship that we should have. I love serving God. I don't want any other life. I don't do what I do as a Christian because I have to. I do it because I want to. Well, Pastor, I just wish I was as good a Christian as you. Friend, if we get our hearts where they should be, we'll all have those desires. We'll all get up on a Monday morning and say, today is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice in it. Why? Because we get the restoration of our joy. I make this statement all the time. I already made it this morning in Sunday school. The most miserable person on this planet. I almost said a Fartigator fan, but I'm going to keep it spiritual. I'm not, I'm not going to be carnal this morning. The most miserable person on this planet is a Christian without their joy. And how does a Christian lose their joy? An unclean heart. I've known preachers We've had unclean hearts. I've known long-standing church members, unclean hearts. Joy. If you want your joy, we must have a restored joy. That's having our heart clean. I just sometimes we, we sometimes we're mad at God for saving us. It seems like uh, let's get our joy back. I'm convinced of this, and, I, and I'll just get on a little sidetrack here. I'm convinced in the world we live in, it's full of fear. It's full of heartache. It's full of confusion. And the church can do something about that. A child of God can do something about it. We're keeping our focus on Him, uh, keeping our, our strength in Him, putting a, just a simple smile on our face to say, well, my life's not perfect. Welcome to the human race. Nobody's life is perfect. Everybody's got burdens. Everybody's got problems. But let me tell you what we do have. If we have salvation, we ought to have the joy of the Lord. We must keep our heart clean. Why? So that we can have our joy. I'm probably this morning, there's somebody uncomfortable in the service. 
Because that's just the way we are. A preacher gets up and mentions the word sin. That's the way God designed it. Because the Spirit of God is to convict us of sin. Somebody, it's funny, sometimes when I preach like this, sometimes people leave and say, he preached on and starts naming things. I haven't named anything. The Holy Spirit might be naming some things, but I'm not naming anything. The point I'm making is this. God wants us to have a clean heart. This morning, I would invite somebody to leave the burden behind and leave with your joy once again. That thing that has gotten your heart, whether it be some sin that you know you shouldn't be involved in or is bitterness and unforgiveness, things we as Christians don't like to talk about, but it's still sin. Maybe those are the things that we need to get, get right in our heart. Why don't we leave those behind? Remember when you got saved and you felt all that weight coming off your shoulders? You, you felt like you were just something, some great thing had been taken off of you because Jesus had forgiven you of all your sins? You can feel that way again by leaving behind whatever it is that you need to leave behind and leave with that joy. Number five and finally, look with me at verse number 16. This is important. This is something sometimes we don't like to hear, or maybe all the time we don't like to hear, but begin with verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Of course, David living in these Old Testament times, there were sacrifices that needed to be made. And notice what he says. He says, for thou desirest not sacrifice, would I give it? If he wasn't willing to deal with his heart, what good would that sacrifice be? And this is what we do sometimes as Christians. The Lord convicts us through his word. of an area that we are not right with him. And we think singing in the choir is going to fix that. We think putting a check in the offering plate is going to fix that. But David reminds us, God says, I don't want to sacrifice. What does he want? And we're reminded, number five, a contrite heart is necessary. He says, a broken and a contrite heart. You know what God wants from you more than your service? He wants your service. More than tithes and offerings, He's worthy of our tithes and offerings. Let me simplify it, make it very simple for us. He wants us to be bothered when we don't have a heart that's clean in his sight. He wants us to have a contrite heart, a broken heart. I think it would do our nation a lot of good if God's people got brokenhearted about what's going on in our country. And one thing that I think that has hurt us in this polarization as a Christian, we've, we're being taught to hate, we ought to go to our knees and weep. But more than that, we ought to become brokenhearted about our own failures. Let me just remind us all, 
Long before I walked to a pulpit and preached what I'm preaching this morning, the Holy Spirit of God's dealt with me. He deals with all of us. But God says, more than the sacrifice, David, I want you to have a broken heart about what you've done. It might seem like a long time ago since I mentioned it, but remember verse number one when he says, have mercy upon me? Mercy is available. A broken heart. A broken and contrite heart of God. He felt the guilt. You know, if you're, maybe, maybe your heart's not where it should be, but maybe you're still bothered by it. That's a good thing. By the way, don't run so far from God. Say, I got to get further and further away so I'm not bothered anymore. If you can sit here and there's something in your life that should not be here and the Holy Spirit of God has not spoken to you, that ought to frighten you worse than an old-fashioned preacher standing up and preaching on how to be right with God. But a contrite heart is necessary. You can't do these religious, righteous things and ignore your heart. Eventually, it's going to catch up. I conclude with this. We're out of time. I conclude with verse number 19. If you have your Bible open, I want you to look at that first word. Maybe you ought to circle it in your Bible. Then. Then. Which tells me everything prior to that is pretty important. If we're going to have a clean heart, if David, who had committed great sin, God still loved him. And yes, David was going to, there's consequences of that. But David wanted to be right with God. And God said there's a pathway to having a clean heart, when you understand these things, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. Friend, aren't you thankful that there is a then? Aren't you thankful that there, we, 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 yes, we can get our hearts cold toward God, and yes, we can drift away from God, but there's mercy available, and if we'll follow the steps that are laid out, as we see in Psalms 51, there's a then where we know that our heart is what it should be with God, and God does grant the forgiveness. God does restore the relationship. He does restore our joy. There is a then. This morning, as we consider what has been said in the theme of the day, a clean heart, we have looked at what God has Says, set as a path to a clean heart. If King David can do what he did and be restored in fellowship with God, that should give us all hope that he found mercy. He had a desire to have that clean heart. And there was a then when God was willing to grant that forgiveness in that relationship. As we've looked at all this this morning, as we conclude the service, I have to ask you, how clean is your heart? How clean is it? I'll use a silly, a simple, but relatable illustration to, to take us into our invitation this morning. We're obviously having a spring cleaning week this week, and we're going to clean some things out, and Certainly, in some, maybe you're having a spring cleaning week, or maybe you live in one of those houses 
I remember as a kid, we had spring cleaning in summer and fall and winter, and I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> or you, perhaps you're having company come, and they're having company come, and they may step into the front, or they may even be, okay, we're having company, okay? You learned growing up, we're having company, you know what that means. Everything's getting cleaned now. Apparently, company was going to come go through our drawers. They were going to look under our beds. They were going to go look in the closets. You know, they were going to do all of those things because company's coming. You know, that, so all of that's got to be done. If we'll go to the links of that, is it a, should it be a little bit more important that our heart is clean before an almighty God. I don't know your heart this morning. I won't pretend that I do. But I know my heart. I know about what the Bible reminds me about all of our hearts. I know the importance of having a clean heart. I believe if we would make sure our heart is clean, there's relationships that are strained between people who love each other, that would be mended if our heart was right with God. This morning, I don't know what, I think we all need this, but specifically, perhaps there's something specifically God spoke to you about. I would encourage you to take advantage of the word then. You can have a heart that is right with Him. I know, first of all, the way to have your heart right with Him is to make sure that you've been saved, that you've been born again, that your faith and trust is in Christ and Christ alone. The Baptist church has never got anybody to heaven. It can't get anybody to heaven. The Baptist preacher, Catholic priest, no holy man, so-called holy man can get anybody, pray anybody into heaven. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing you and I can, can be settled on is our salvation. If you've never gotten that settled this morning, somebody would be happy to open the Bible and show you what the Bible says about salvation, how you can be saved. Maybe this morning there's some other decision. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And if you need somebody to pray with you, or maybe I think it would be good for all of us, whether we respond to an altar or stay right in our seat, to take a moment and as David also wrote another psalm, say, search me, O God. And if there's any wicked thing, well, Pastor, I'm not involved. Let's be very careful to not forget what God calls wicked. What God calls wicked is often the things that we overlook, that we harbor in our hearts. Envy, bitterness, jealousy, unforgiveness. Let's do business with God today. Let's have a clean heart. Our God's worthy of us to make the effort. Father, I pray this morning that you would use your word, may the Spirit of God